What's up, y'all? My name is T. Shaw, and this is Brewing Black Podcast, where the contents we serve you is authentic, vulnerable, and relatable. That means we serve you with no cream and no sugar. I guess I like my coffee black. What's up? What's up? Hey, hey, my name is Scott P. And it's T. Shaw. And welcome to Brewing Black, the latest show where we talk to you about popular culture and black popular culture at that on a national level, on a local level here in the city of Angels and right here at UC of LA. T. Yes. Shaw, how you doing, brother? Bro, I'm feeling good. It's been, I'm coming off a great week. You oh, know? man. It was a great weekend. Um, I got to chill, got to kick it with my girl. Um, hey. I'm in a new apartment. Yeah. Shout out to the new location we recording in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was a good time. I got to see my mom. She came out here, helped me set up things. Her and my girl helped design it. I, I realized that I don't have the skill nor the patience for it. Yeah. So I commend all of y'all women who got nice spots and all y'all men got nice spots that did it by themselves because I could not have done it. How are you feeling? It, it's good. You know what? It's so crazy that you say that because I feel like sometimes women will will push us a little bit extra or push us a little bit harder than we are expecting. And in, and in the moment, it's like, oh, man, da 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 But, like, then you see the end result, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I need you. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I feel that. Um, I've had some transitions, too. I got a new car. Okay, um, okay. I've, I've traveled California, <laughs> been to some places here and there on some shenanigans. Ooh. Um, I, I'm enjoying my life, man. Um, and, and I'm ready for, for Thanksgiving. Um, we, we have a new president almost. We should. We yes. should. We yes. should. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but, you know, I, I think that you know, we're, we're in a good place as a society. And I, and I feel like more of an adult. You know, Ooh, I, I feel, feel like I'm that. adulting heavy now, you Bro, know? I can echo that for sure. Like, I got a full-time job. Golly. I got my own place, bruh. Like, I got a rug in my You got uh, a rug, y'all. Like... I got a nice little lamp. Like this, it's crazy, bro. It is really crazy, but it's it's humbling. Yeah. Like it reminds me that like I've done a lot of work and there's a lot of work to go. But not everybody's privileged to be in this position, so it's like it's nice. Um, but it, it again reaffirms like the work that we're doing. Right. It's good and it's gonna pay off. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and and yeah, and I, I feel the same way. Um, it's just like you said. To have the opportunity to go through your trials and tribulations because yes. all the transitions weren't the easiest thing. You know, I know I had trials and tribulations searching searching for the car. I know me and you have talked about how crazy apartment hunting can be. You know Man, what I'm saying? Yes. Um, but but like you said, you know, the hard work is going to pay off. We're sowing the seeds right now. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I'd have messed around and got hooked on Hamilton <laughs> while we were away. You know what I'm saying? What's your favorite song? Oh, uh, man. Probably Say No to This. I, I love Say No to This. Okay. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's rat. It's, it's a little ratchet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that as a hardworking, as, as someone who, who considers themselves hardworking, um, it, it's an interesting story about what can happen when you find yourself in that uh, type of position and situation. I mean, I love melodies and harmonies. So okay, like, okay. They, they, really, they really go in. Um, shout out to, uh, I, I forget the actor's name, but the actor who plays uh, Tracy Ellis's Ross, Tra- Tracy Ellis Ross's brother on oh, uh, Blackish. Oh, uh, DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, Man, he went off on that. Homie. Oh, yes, my God. Yes. I didn't know he could rap like Bro. that. Oh, oh he God. slept on. He in a movie, too. It's called uh, Spotlight. If you ever seen it, like you have to go see it. It's about um, it's about a whole bunch of different things, but it's really about gentrification in 
Oakland. Yeah. Um, and he has a white best friend that's really niggardly. Like, um, and he's kind of like a little bit more proper. All right. Um, and so it just kind of follows his life in that complex. But man, he has like this monologue, but it's really like just kind of a rap. He's right. rapping at this police officer. It, bro, it's the coldest thing ever, and it's at the end of the movie. So that's when I was like, oh, this man is the truth. Yeah. I hadn't seen him outside of, like, Blackish, And, like, his role in Blackish isn't that, like, in-depth. But right, seeing, right. like, from Hamilton to that, like, oh, that dude is talented. Right. A- absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, I-, I think he's, he's someone who, you know, all puns intended, is not wasting his shot. <laughs> and, and he's not going to waste waste his time. And so um, I-, I think today we, we really wanted to talk about um time and and how it manifests in a you know variety of ways absolutely um but before we do that tisha will you give us our uh, land acknowledgements absolutely absolutely um it is important to recognize where we are and what land we're on so that's the land of the gabrielino and the tongva this is stolen land this is colonized land and we will always 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 pay those respects and- Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And for those of uh, you all who are listening to us on Spotify, we want to say we appreciate y'all. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on uh, Bruin, Bruin Black Podcast on Instagram and then Bruin Black Pod on Twitter, yes? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. And so, and we're coming at y'all with some new stuff. Yes. Uh, a website coming soon. Stay boop, on the boop, look. Boop, boop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're getting big. We're getting real over here. That's right. We're sowing them seeds. Um, and also, um, we're, we're, we're going to actually jump into our light Roast. Um, and what our light roast is, is us sort of critiquing society or someone in society, but then giving them some constructive feedback and mm-hmm. criticism because it's all love. Um, well, sometimes it's all love. <laughs> but um, we always try to start off with a relevant quote. Yes. And today's quote is going to come from the um, Honorable Muhammad Ali. Oh, okay. Um, and, he, and what he said was, um, don't count the days, make the days count. Oh. So I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Don't count the days. Make the days count. Tisha, what does that mean to you, man? Bro, it's about time. It's like you don't know how much time you really have. So it's like you could be sitting, if you're sitting back counting the days, um, you can let days kind of pass you by. Yeah. So you got to make those days count. You don't know how many days you have, but it's a finite number. It's yeah. We have a numbered amount of days. We don't know, but it's like, so make each and every day count like it could be your last. Absolutely. What about you? What does that mean for you? Well, I think about the wise words of Maxwell. He okay. said, I can let my life pass me by mm. or... I can get down and try, Ooh. work it all out this lifetime, uh. lifetime, uh. you know what I'm saying? So I, I, think about, um, reg- I think about regrets and living in regrets, you know, because I think that's when people really start counting the days. Like, yes. you look back and you're like, dang, I could have done this, yes. I could have done this, what could my life have been? Or even like something small where you, let's say you wake up super late and you're like, dang, this day is gone now, Bro, you know what I'm yes. saying? yes, because that's the worst way to start your day, but huh? Yeah, yeah, but it's like when you have that determination of, oh, like, oh, I might have woke up at 2, 2 p.m. in the morning and I might have to go to bed at 10, but these eight hours, I'm going to kill these eight hours. I'm going to kill it. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. I, and I think that so many people get caught up in like their mistakes as opposed to saying, hey, I still have time left. Yes. It's finite, but like there's still time in that finite, Bro. finiteness, you know? Preach. Preach. Um, yeah, so I, I just, I, I think about that. And, and you know, I, I think today I want to, 
I want us to really get into all these different ways we utilize that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we, as we were talking about before the show, like how we prioritize it, time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what the implications of those things are. Because it's, a, it's really our most precious resource. I Ooh. think that that's what I'm learning now. And it's like, the one thing I do hate is when people say we have the same 24 hours because we don't. We don't. We don't. I think when you're when you're rich and you have somebody that can watch your kids or that can wash your dishes and make your meals and uh, drive you different places, then your your time is more free. Right. But it's like when you're doing these everyday activities, you really have a limited amount of time. So it's like for us, for us that don't have no money, you can't. We can't buy time. So it's like with the time we have, we got to be real strategic. Um, and that's kind of what we want to kind of go over today. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I love what you said about us not having to sit in 24 hours because I also think that, like, we don't even get rewarded for doing for doing really good with our 24 hours. Like, mm-hmm. I could kill a 40-hour work week and someone who's super rich could, like, work for 10 hours and make five times as much as me. Man. And not even work that hard. You know what At I'm saying? All. So it's <laughs> like, it's it's crazy because even if you prioritize your hours, doesn't mean it's going to equal the same result. You Absolutely. Know? So, yeah, we, we're not playing the same game. And it's At like, all. if we judge the same, then we, I don't know, we're always at a deficit. Yeah, and yeah. it's not fair. Ugh, ugh. Um, but you know what? But you know what is? Um, you know what's also not fair when when people are sore losers. Oh, right? talk about it. And I, I think that our forty five because he he was never my president. I I don't I won't speak for you, T. Shaw. He, he couldn't he couldn't have been he couldn't have been my president. But not I. Yeah, right. So we we don't really have a president, but they they call him forty five in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, forty five. He actually lost the election um, based on the popular vote. He got he he did not receive the 270 electoral college votes he needed to win the president elect position. Um, but what he's been doing this week is been he's been saying that he won the election. Yeah. And he's been tweeting out the election. So mm-hmm. I was like, I, I said self and myself said, yeah, I was like, let me talk to T Shaw <laughs> about this because T Shaw, y'all, he's like our political guy, he's like our big activist guy, and so he's he's been out there in the streets. He knows some of these strategies. He's done the research of the greats, and so I was like, T-Shaw, what happens when someone has lost the election and still tweets out about winning the election? Is it about them being immature, yeah. um, or, or is there like something bigger that's going on? Yeah, that's a, such a good question. I think the one word that we all should know and the one concept we all should know is a coup de tie. So a coup d'etat is uh, defined as a sudden and often violent attempt to take over the government, usually by a small military or political group. Ah. So it's like, okay, well, why would Donald Trump, who has lost the election by popular vote and by electoral college, say that he won his vote? And we know... We are looking at. We can look at the numbers. Exactly. We can count the votes, and we can say that this man has lost. So what? What does he have to gain? Is it just childish? Like, what is he really trying to do? So it's like we have to look more into like his motives, right? Um, we we see how he's fired some people in his cabinet, people that disagreed. Right. Um, he's he's denounced like Fox. He's denounced different places that has um, said that he's lost, and he's trying to delegitimize how we think of politics. And it's like, well, why? And that's where a coup comes in, right? So a coup, it, it has a lot of different layers, but it's what it's trying to do is delegitimize the government. It's trying to take stronghold of that government, and it's often by violent force. Um, but I think in America, I don't know if that could work as well. We see um, a bunch of different countries kind of fall to coups where it's like the military takes over. I don't think that that would be the, the true case here. It's getting enough people to buy in to think that like, oh, Trump got cheated. If he can get enough people to think that, and if he can push that enough, then 
if enough people believes it, then he takes these measures to kind of take over the election, then people will see him as the legitimate like ruler. And it only takes a few people to kind of buy into that for it to become a thing. And what you'll see is like people mobilize to the streets. We already heard them tell uh, the Proud Boys like stand back and stand by. Right, right, right. So I think that the, that's one very problematic thing that we can see coming out of this. So I, and I, I think me and you have talked about this on the show before, where it's like regardless of who wins, mm-hmm. right? That there are going to be repercussions. Yeah. And so now that Biden has has won by popular vote at least, um, you know, now we see that Trump is trying to maybe start that galvanizing early. So now when the riots and all his Proud Boys get together, you can look back historically and be like, oh, well, this is what he was saying two months ago before January 20th. Bro, yes, exactly. Mm. Um, And uh, so shout out to Van Jones. I think y'all should check out his TED Talk. He talked about this maybe a few weeks before the election because Trump gave us signs. It's like I think a lot of people... um, it, it, it became buzz, but I don't think enough people are kind of connecting the pattern, right? So I think that Trump said multiple times if he lost, then it would be a cheated election. He, he let us know what he was kind of thinking. Right. Um, but he, I, I think the, really, the thing that I got from the TED Talk from Van Jones, and Van Jones is the man that was crying on CNN. People, <laughs> hey, can, we, can we just yeah. for a second? Like, people be making, are making fun of him for that cry, you know what I'm saying? I ain't going to lie, I was too. Like, come on, man. My stepdad was like, why, is, why the black man on CNN crying? He called my mom. I was like, dang. All right, so when I thought I saw, I was like, "Dang, man, that's that's crazy." He said, "You know what I'm saying?" But he just he just so happy. But I listened to the cry on another podcast, and I was like, "Oh, this is why they're clowning yeah. them." But it's like, can, can he not? Like, it's sort of like Kawhi and the laugh, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, maybe this man just got a weird cry. I think they were saying that like his voice is too deep for him to have that type of cry. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. And it just wasn't. I mean, it is that deep, but it's not at the same time. Like. Trump is not the end-all, be-all of democracy and white supremacy and things like that. Defeating right. Trump is not our our primary objective. It's just the first step in right. calling out BS. Right, right. So I was like, "Come on, man, bro. We we did not we did not overcome, bro. We did not make it to the promised land today." <laughs> So I, I mean, but yes, I think he's entitled to how he, yeah, like, <laughs> how you know, he feels. But so, but but continue what you were 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 saying about uh, the his uh, yeah, his piece, his t- TED talk. So yeah. I want y'all to watch it. But the one thing that he really points out is that um, the concession speech. When somebody concedes, the presidential candidate concedes that is one of the most important things about presidential elections. Mm. Um, and it, because there is nothing written into the Constitution that guarantees that the winner of the popular vote in the Electoral College will be the actual uh, president of the United States. Um, let me run that back one more time. The It'll person back. <laughs> that the Constitution does not guarantee that the person that wants the popular vote and the Electoral College will be the president. And that is actually crazy. It is not written anywhere. So what Van Jones talks about in his TED Talk is that um, if you think about a, a basketball game or a, a what is it called, a baseball game. He called it extra innings, or we can think of it as overtime. So there's something that happens in the public sphere, right? That's the actual election. But then behind the scenes, there are, like, the the paperwork of it. So, like, people go behind doors, and they they check off all the things that they're supposed to do, and then, like, the the candidate gets processed, and then on the 20th of January, they're inaugurated. But the problem is now is that because Trump has not conceded and he's still fighting for the election, there are there are different um, processes that uh, must take place 
that has never really had to take place before, I think since like the 1800s, right. um, where it can, it can ultimately go to the House. And this is the crazy part. It can go to the House. Um, so past Electoral College, past all of this, it can go to the House where the representatives have to vote, but it's not based on representatives. So even if the Democrats have control of the House, that's not how it goes. It comes down to each state. Each state has to vote as a, a unit. So what we know about like the United States is that there's more Republican states than there is Democratic states. And that's crazy because we know that a lot of like Republicans live in rural places and that's right. really the middle of the country. A lot of people that are a little bit more left leaning, more liberal, more like uh, community center are in these urban areas. Right, right. Makes sense how they live. Um, so all of these states in the middle, we can think of Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, yeah, yeah all of it, yeah, Dakotas and the the South. Yeah. So many of those Republican states, those outnumber Democratic states. So if it came down to that process, um, then there's a good chance that those Republicans will vote for Trump to be that president, and then he would be sworn in that way. Um, and then if it went to courts, like we've known that the Republicans have packed the court since uh, RBG died. So. It's it's a political it's a political coup, which is which isn't really often, but it's like really manipulating the, the US system. Um and I, I think it's crazy, but it could actually happen. And I, I don't know how and who can stop it. So so if if you're at home and you're hearing this, you know, T Shaw, is there anything that we can do as a society or are we just playing the waiting game at this point? Um, I think that is it's talking about it. So like having these conversations right here, people knowing that, because right. I think when knowledge is power, I think when that's spread, then people will become angry. I think people take to the streets. I think that's an important thing. Right. Calling your legislators. Um, I think for us, it's hard because California, we know how it's going to go. Right, right. Maybe Nevada, we know how it's going to go. Um, but it's like trying to tap those people in those those rural places. But if it, that's what it comes down to, I don't know. But it, yeah, it's, it is calling your legislators. It is trying to find ways to uphold democracy. Van Jones talked about how making sure that peaceful protests, um, that, that's, that's the method. Um, because they, I, I think that um, often during coups, it gets very violent. And I think the one thing, just like with Martin Luther King, is that the media is one of the best tools. Right. And we all have access to media, that's what this podcast is. But the national media is a big a big source, right? It, it shows a lot of people what's kind of going on. So I think nonviolence does work in that way because I think if you see somebody getting beat up and they're not fighting back, then I think it has like a moral obligation in people. Right. So I think that those were, those were ideas that he kind of pitched. Um, for me, I'm not as optimistic. I, I think waiting back and seeing. Um, but yeah, I, I think that just knowing that like this is how our our uh, system is kind of set up. I think if if he were to do that, then democracy would crumble and we would need a whole new constitution, and there would just be complete unrest and civil war, really, because it would be like red states versus blue states at that point. Yeah, and 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 this and it's crazy, but but you know what? Let, let me ask you this. So mm -hmm. let's pretend things go right and right as in you know Joe Biden actually is sworn in yeah. Trump. Leaves the country out of anger. We never see him again. Yeah. Thank God. Whatever. <laughs> what for for those who feel like you know electing Joe was the end all be all? Because my, my thing is always like, tr 
Biden didn't necessarily win. Trump just lost, right? <laughs> so like, so so it's yeah. like, I mean, Biden, you know, God, God rests his soul. What was that? What was that ape that was running? Not Harambe. Not, yeah, Harambe really could have ran, and like <laughs> we would have elected a dead. He would have got some. He would have garnered some votes. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, and you know, all due respect to to Biden and his campaign and whatever, but like. You know, we didn't necessarily choose you. We just didn't choose Trump. Yeah, so, absolutely. So how how do we start to keep Biden and uh, Kamala like accountable? Because both of them were looking a little shaky to you know a lot of folks, but we absolutely. had to get Trump out of here or at least try. Yeah. So like, what what are some of the things that they need to keep in mind as we move forward if they actually do get sworn in? That's a good question. And real quick, I just want to give a shout out to black women. Yes. I know that having Kamala as a VP, yeah. even though she may not be the person uh, that people like do want to champion, I think that there are a lot of things that we can see represented. I, I, I dropped that whole like, okay, she doesn't necessarily have my politics because I, I got on Instagram and I saw how my aunt and my cousin, who my cousin's like maybe seven or eight or nine, and they live in Canada. Um, All right. But they were just so happy. They were juiced. They were screaming on Instagram, and they was hyped. And it's just like for a moment, I realized like we don't have to have the same politics for us to understand the power of that symbolism. Right, right, right. So having a black woman there is like she bossed up. Like it's different. It's Biden, different. Biden. Oh boy, like he he not wake up one day or he uh, gotta gotta sit out. For the rest of his term, like we got a black woman running this thing, and, and she has a white husband who is following her lead, yeah, which is which yeah. is just beautiful. Like she cold, simple. she a cold piece. So I'm a, I'm gonna give her her credit, and I'm gonna give black women like that representational credit. I think that that symbolism, even though people do want to say that symbolism doesn't mean much, I think it does mean a lot when we when we take a step back. I think that like we can't live on that. Like Brock is our black first black president. It meant something. It meant something to people that wanted to aspire for more. Now, we understand that his politic may not have been the thing that liberated us, but I think there's power in that symbolism. And that that helps liberate us. Right. We know that we can reach higher heights. I, absolutely. And I, and I do... I do think that the standard of like decorum and professionalism and execution will be brought back to the White House with these two. Absolutely. I, mean, I think it's just like you said, like you don't have to agree with every every one of their pol politics, but this is a moment in time. I think, you know, when I when when Trump got elected, it was like a national tragedy. Yeah. Like oh, I remember absolutely. what I was doing, where I was, who I was with. Mm -hmm. And like I now now I remember it in the reverse way mm -hmm. with uh with this with Biden and, and, and Harris. Um, and there's this great Sister Act two viral video that's going around. <laughs> yeah. uh, shout out, shout out to Stacey Abrams. We gotta, yeah, gotta oh say, absolutely, you know, and all the work absolutely. that she was doing, you know, because I, I, I think like you said, Tisha, like black women were were not only just happy about this, but like they were galvanizing, like they always do mm -hmm. when it comes down yes, to it. You yes. know what I'm saying? Um, and, and so, with that being said, with all this work being put in to Kamala and, and Biden, what? do they need to do? What What would be some of the th first things you would have them focus on now that they've been elected? Well, there almost. needs to definitely be some accountability um, from them to the black community. Right. I think that they don't win this election without the black community. Absolutely. We were waiting around on the black community and people of color too. I, I want to add that in there, but right. I think that like without the black community, they definitely don't win because we're waiting around for a few different counties that really are going to make or break some pivotal states. Right. What are those? Michigan and what we're waiting for. Wayne County, that's Detroit. That's Flint, I believe. Um, Philadelphia. Those are two chocolate cities, two predominantly historic chocolate cities. Shout out right. to Marcus Hunter. Um, 
and they make or break that election. Yeah. Arizona as well, that's a, a minority majority state. There's a lot of Latinos, so they are right. making or breaking that state and they have a lot of they had a lot of sway in electoral college. Um, Nevada as well. So Las Vegas and Washoe County. Those are the two two counties that really make or break that election. Um, and those, again, are dominated by uh, people of color. Um, so I think that their, their, their politics have to um, accommodate, they have to take care of those communities of color because they're not there, they're, they're not in those positions without us. So I think that that's one thing for me, and I don't know exactly what that looks like because it's different in each county, but those needs, like Flint should be having clean water, that should be their priority because you don't win without that county. So you can't depend on this county and not care about those people. Mm. I want to see Kamala or Biden there, uh, January 22nd. Um, I, I would love to see uh, the cancelization the of student debt. Yes. Um, oh, God. I, I, they have a plan. I, I couldn't find the graphic again. I wish I had saved it. But I think they said they wanted to cancel student loan debt for people that are making, I believe, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I know it's 100000 or less. It might be a little bit more, maybe 150000 but definitely 100000 or less. And they're canceling all debt. And that was something that they ran on. Um, unless the graphic was like, uh, what's the word, uh, manipulated. Right, right. So I think that those are two things on the top of my list that I want to see them kind of like implementing. And then uh, I, I would also say uh, some type of corona plan. Uh, they need right. to have some type of corona plan, um, and they need to get people to buy in. So uh, that has to be stimulus packages. It has to be um, aid, because I think the thing is, is like people getting furloughed. And what we know about niggas is like they're not gonna sit sit back and just like let things happen to them. So right, right. what they gonna do? Scam, rob? They gonna make it? It's like get it how you live and you can't blame them. So I think that those are things because it's like then we're left with a, a small amount of choices and it's like okay, well what do you do? And it's just like then you blame us and say oh you went to prison you made this bad choice. But it's like bro, what was it? Like it was either have my baby starve or come up. Like well, well, and I think to your point, because I, I love some of those points that you made. Because like, as as someone who makes less than a hundred thousand dollars right now, and who's a student, um, <laughs> I would love for that student debt to to, to go up personally. Absolutely. I, I, but I also think from a uh, just from a collective standpoint, I want to see them do stuff with crime, mm -hmm. um, especially given you know connections to the crime bill, uh, Harris's like yes. uh, pr prosecutorial record yes. and stuff like that. Oh, that's brilliant. I, I, want, I want them to do something to um, eradicate and- Because it's like an apology. Right, right. Like they, they have to do something radical to address um, the criminal justice system, no matter how much of it they contributed to or not, right? So, Because I, I think that when it comes to black people, I think prison is one of the worst places you can be be in America, if not the worst place, yeah, and, and we're obviously disproportionately there, um, placed in these prisons, and I think health is, health is something in terms of the yeah. immediate stuff. So like COVID, but then like you were saying before, the COVID stuff and the health leads to a lack of opportunities and resources, which leads to crimes, yes. which leads to, to prison, and then yes. it's, it's a cycle, right? And yes, so I it's think, all linked. And, and I think that given uh, Harris's record, given Biden's history, they should understand that cycle and understand what's going on, and so I want to... I want to see them address the criminal justice system and, and the health stuff specifically. But on on a selfish note, get my student loans all the way <laughs> yeah, out of here, bro. Because <laughs> here's, here's the thing: like, should I, as a black person and a descendant of slaves, 
I have to pay, pay to go and get an education in a country that has destroyed me from the very beginning. Like I, from its, from our, from the nation's inception. Right. Like now, but now I gotta pay you to go learn, learn a very like messed up history that you, that a lot of your professors don't even tell the right way. Yes. Or, or, or omit. Like it's just a lot. So that's that's a start. That's yeah, a start. bro. And it's like the people that's getting student loan that like I was I was showing uh, my students this video and like HBCUs they double the student loan debt that people are taking across the the country. And it's like because a lot of us don't live in the South anymore. So then we have to pay out of state. And it's like, but we wanna we wanna feel that experience of like not being marginalized because right. we both have gone to PWIs. Um, and felt that, and it's like well, there is a, always a bad. There's usually a black community that can like take us in the houses, but it's often small. And like some people don't want to fight the fight all the time, like yeah. to to just go to school. So like maybe we just want to like feel for one time for four years maybe how it feels to be a part of a culture that just like I can just exist. Like is that too much to ask? So it's just like student loan debt. Like it's just, it is us trying to make it. For us trying to be like socially climb, have some social mobility, we have to take a penalty. And I was looking at um, people that were like against that, and they kept saying like, "Oh, so we just want to uh, teach people they don't have to uh, pretty much take accountability for like the mistakes that they made or the debts that they take on." But it's like we are we don't have resources, so it's like we have to. We're trying. We're trying here. So it's like, we, you tell us to go to school, we go to school. Right. We're trying to uh, to, to uh, achieve at the highest levels. And it's like, you want to put us in the hole for that. Like, yeah, I could go get a, a JD. I could go get a law degree. I would be much more brilliant, I, hypothetically. But I, w- I would know more about the, the law and I could do good things in the world. But that's $100,000, $200,000, dollars in debt. How, how do I get out of that if I'm trying to uh, be a public defender, if I'm trying to defend the community, help them? Yeah, and, and, and I, I, I totally agree because I, the, a lot of these loaning companies and, and schools that allow loans are, can be predatory as well, right? Absolutely. And, that, and that's a whole other conversation. One of these days we, we will get into that, but something else that I, I thought about too was that um, I want, in terms of higher education, both of us, you know, the conception of this of the show, you know, came because we were two grad school students who wanted to like bring a different perspective to the media world. Yeah. And I think that as it as it relates to higher education and stuff I want to see done there, I want to see them push for more conversations about race, class, yes. transphobia, heterosexism, uh, homophobia. And I and I want them to especially seeing how polarized this country is, right? Yes. Like something that I thought about um, when I was in my intergroup dialogue courses. Um, and for those of you who don't know, intergroup dialogue courses is basically where you discuss the different isms of society and you do it with people who do not look like you, who don't come from where you come from, and the ideas that you tr- you get to understand someone better. That's so right? brilliant. What, you, what uh, university did you do that at? So I've done it at UCLA, but I've had iterations of it um, at, at Duke, and I've had iterations of it at, at Harvard as well. And so um, as it relates to intergroup dialogue, I just started thinking, why isn't this something that's required at all these different universities where you have people from all over the country and world coming together, Preach. right? But it's like... What you, they make it like a diversity requirement that's not really a requirement. Yeah. It's an elective if you mm. want to take it. And I think that with the country being this divided yes. and this polarized, people need to know the truth. Because I feel like a lot of people, it's not necessarily that they're 
um, inherently evil, but like we've been socialized by white supremacy to like uh, think that the only thing in the only worlds that really matter are our own, yes. our own personal experiences, yes. right? Those echo chambers. Right. And so for me, it's like, how do you even get into higher learning when you don't know how to treat the person next to you and be a human? Preach. Before you can learn, like, I, I feel like humanity needs to come first before yes. the education. So mm-hmm. can we learn how to be humane? Mm-hmm. And talk to one another. Right. Because it's like we have all this smoke for each other and we could be on the same spectrum or the same side of the spectrum politically and still have the most vile, vile things to say to each other, right? right? So it's like people across the spectrum, we don't ever want to talk to, we don't want to acknowledge their existence. Well, and, and you know what? I, I, I love that point because um, I, we were talking about this uh, this Netflix special. It's called The Social Dilemma. You want to tell people what that is, Tisha? Yeah, so The Social Dilemma, y'all, I need y'all to check it out. It's on Netflix. Um, it has a lot of different things that it's talking about, but it really dives into the world of social media and the effects that it has on us um, and how we navigate it and how it really just sucks our time. Um, through the discourses that we kind of uh, engage in, it creates these echo chambers. Um, what what it really like is at the heart of it is like these algorithms. These algorithms are trying to predict um, what you would rather do. It's trying to predict your behavior. So it, it, it's constantly running. It's trying to figure out what you will like to keep you on the site longer. To Again, to continue to buy your time. And when it's buying your time, then it's getting your attention. It's sending you these different ads of things that you might really like. I, I think that that's the thing. It, these are things that like are geared towards you, but it, the, the goal is to keep you onto these apps, um, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, um, shoot, you name it. All of these apps that send you notifications, like if you pick up your phone, you got a random notification telling you from Postmates that you got a 20% off if you do it in the next four to five minutes, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, it just focuses on like uh, what I got from it is like the time that we spend on it. And it, I, I had a lot of different questions about how I spend my time and what I what time I spend on my phone. I, I constantly think about it. So what would you get from the documentary? Well, you know, the, the biggest thing, especially as it relates to, like, you know, just having conversations and being able to talk with people, like you were saying, is that um, everyone's social media's goal and these comp- the goal of these social media companies is basically to keep you in a place of comfort. Yeah. So ooh, it's like, yeah. what do you like? What do you love? What do you, what do you prioritize? We're going to keep that in your face for as long as we can, and we're going to figure it out to a T so that we so that we can strategically keep you on on our on these screens for for as long as possible and get you addicted. Mm-hmm. Now, that's great. You know, everyone loves being comfortable, but the only thing about being comfortable is that you never get a chance to grow, right? Yeah. The, the plant grows not, not just by the, the ray of sunshine, but by the harshness of rain. That's a bar. You know what I'm saying? That's a bar. And so it's like, I think a lot of social media doesn't really give us the harshness of rain. And what I mean by that is that if you, what, what I found out from the social dilemma is if, was that if I was in North Carolina and I'm searching, you know, best, best politicians who ever existed, my answer, my Google search in North Carolina will result in something will give me different results than if I was in Nevada. Yeah, you know what or I'm California. Saying? Or California, right? And they do that because they already know what you like. They already know what you care for. They already know what know what you want to see and hear. Yeah. And so what happens is that, you know, me, me and you, we like black stuff. We like mm-hmm. radical stuff, da-da-da-da-da. But, like, Tom from Nebraska... He likes more conservative things. He's mm-hmm. more rural. You know what I'm saying? He's wrestling with the pigs every Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Not so, the pigs. Yes, they're the pigs, right? And so 
he's seeing all the conservative stuff that he loves and enjoys. And so now, T, here's what happens. Y'all listen, listen to us. Mm-hmm. So we're doing our research. We're feeling all scholarly. We're sharing the articles. Our friends are sharing articles. We're like, oh, we're lit. We're, we're social justice. We're rad- radically. Mm-hmm. Him and his, his rural friends are doing the same thing. Same exact And they're thing. seeing different articles that support everything they already believe. Absolutely. And so now when we come to the table, we can't talk with, with one another because we've already been told this person doesn't believe the facts in the articles. They're and the, an idiot. Right, right. I can't believe you haven't seen this right. that's been circulating everywhere on my social media right but it's like it's not on their social media exactly and i think that this is where the cool thing gets very dangerous right because they're living in their own world and this is what they talked about the election um what russians did was they didn't really hack the election all they did was you know how we talk about marketing for the podcast right. they go into these these facebook groups these people that may believe that the earth is flat or that uh 5g is causing these cancers or that uh Climate control isn't real. They find these users that look that they take a few of these users and model their their algorithms off of them, and they start targeting ads and stuff at them. Right. So that's all the Trump campaign really has to do is target all of these people that are privy to buying into him. And then that coup can be real because there's all of these people on Facebook that isn't being exposed to these this Van Jones article, this TED talk, these educational resources that give you actual like cited sources and some research and it's based on propaganda right. and gets people to buy into those things. And, and, and here's, and me and you and I have talked about capitalism uh, a lot, but this is where white supremacy and capitalism really fuse together, right? Absolutely. It's because cap, like the money that I can make as a, as a Facebook or Instagram or any other social media site actually, actually goes, um, is actually is prioritized over the, the truth. And so Absolutely. if you allow these companies to, to go in and, and stage these coups, to share these articles, be these fake bots who act as real people and say, oh, 5G is the reason, and I agree, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. All of it is connected to the dollars that they're paying these social media companies. Yes. And even though Facebook and, and Twitter, whatever companies, might might every now and again say, oh, this is a fake article, this is a da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. they're not doing enough yeah. to actually say, oh, look, if this is not the absolute truth, if you can't really back this up by X, Y, and Z claims, we cannot allow you to share this on mm-hmm. the site, right? Yeah. And and, and, I, and I'll say, too, there are probably some things that are true on the conservative side that, like, I'm not seeing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, I, and I think it's wrong for, face, for, for Facebook to keep that from me because I feel like, how do we grow as a, as a country if it's an echo chamber? I'd much rather see different ideas in my face and a yeah. mix of things. So I, my resolve about my day can go stronger. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I think that's such a great point because that's why I will bring up Fox or I'll listen to like some conservative pundits because right. it's like I can continue to fall into my like echo chamber, um, which strengthens me in a way because it gives me more access to the different things that I want to think about. But it's like I can't challenge those ideas if I don't know what the other side is saying about them. And I can't fact check. I can't do these other things to build my my claim and my argument if I don't know what the other – I think that's like debate one-on-one. Yeah. And I think that – but people don't want to debate. They want to yeah. kind of sit in their silos, and they want to be right. And I think that that's where we kind of lose that humanity. Well, and you know what? It's funny because especially when we think about uh, Trump supporters, um, I love the Trevor Noah show, for example, because they they do a really great job of showing just how uninformed some Trump supporters are. But see, even the problem with something like that is that 
not all Trump supporters are going to give stupid answers like those, like the folk, folks that we see on the Trevor Noah show. Yeah. There's some people who are extremely intellectual and can make you think about what Trump's done on a policy level. Absolutely. And mind you, I, I can't stand Trump on any level. I don't care what he has or hasn't done. He needs to, I feel like he's going to be, needs to be out of office and you're not going to convince me of that. But it, I think that for the rest of our country, it's important to have people who are intellectuals, who have intellectual reasons in terms of policies, practices, and procedures on why they support Trump. And that's what we need to be seeing more of. So that way we can actually say, oh, this is really why I don't support Trump. Because when we see someone say, say, hey, Obama wasn't born here and Trump, Trump was, and it's because you know Obama's parents were there, well, um, and Trump's parents were there, and and it's it's a clear thing that like they they have no idea what they're talking yeah. about. It makes all the Trump supporters look crazy, and it makes all of them look stupid. And I, I and here's the thing: I don't agree with anyone who who's who supports Trump, but I don't think it's just a country bumpkin. Yeah, the country bumpkins are not the only people who are voting for Trump. And that's why the Democrats continue to lose to him or are are kind of blindsided by him because there's a, a, an assumption that that is his base. But I'm looking at this infographic right here on uh, Instagram, and it shows that if like college-educated whites were the only ones to vote in this election, that uh, Trump would have won 322 electoral college to 216. Wow. Um, Biden would have won the West Coast, so Oregon, Washington, and California. It would have got Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois, and then New York and like the New England area. No other states he wins. Right. So I, I think that we have to uh, get away from the myth that it, it is just these bumpkins that don't know nothing, that hasn't got any formal education that um, is voting for him. Right. And I really do appreciate you talking, like making that connection with capitalism. Because that, that's the one thing I really took away is that capitalism really is inherently evil because really it, uh, the only thing, the only motive of capitalism is making money. So it's like these these social media companies, it, it's going to hurt their bottom dollar if they if they stop all of this sharing because then people are going to feel ostracized and they won't want to use it because they're sharing fake news. And if you call it fake news, then they feel like they're being censored. They're not, they're not willing to hurt their bottom dollar like that. So it's just like whatever whatever you pay for, you get. And it's just like we're raking in money, so we'll let anything kind of go free for all. And I, I think that that... Knowing that, like, this is the same system that kind of generated its, it, it got its standing and generation off of like slavery, like trading of human bodies, then anything kind of goes. Yeah, and, and I, I love, I love that point you made because it, what, what it makes me harken back to is something you said about time earlier. You said time was time is finite, mm -hmm. but money is not finite. It's not. You can always make more, and yeah. that's the danger of capitalism because yep. it's like if I can make more money. Because like making money in and of itself self is a horrible. It's it's about what you do at its expense. Absolutely. Like what are you willing to sacrifice in order to make yes. that extra dollar? Yes. And companies are seeing themselves now, especially the like these global uh, billion dollar corporations, and even in some cases trillion dollar corporations mm -hmm. that like. I don't really care what what gets sacrificed, who gets hurt, what lies get spread, because I can always make more money. money yeah. You just you just tell me what I need to do to to increase that bottom line. Yeah. And that's where the evilness really comes yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like yeah, that's that's such a great point because I don't think on the surface no one's like <laughs> like we're gonna kill these niggas. Right, like right. no, that's not what is going on. It's like okay, well. We're gonna look at it by the numbers. I think even universities do it. They call right. it they call students FTEs, full time equivalents. 
they're not looking at us as people. I think that that's the first step that goes wrong. So it's like, they, let's say they use FTEs or they use bodies. It's like, damn, okay, well, shit, 20,000 bodies are going to die, but we're going to make $900 trillion. Like, right. oh, shit, them niggas got to go then. Right, like, right. that's really what it comes down to because it's like, well, how much, how much does a body really cost? Right. How much like does a human life really worth? And like, if it's a black body, we know that they put a price tag lower on it, right? There's there's people that they can deem as like less fit that people will be okay with them like kind of being put in the worst spot, like people that do drugs or people that um, any of these like vices that we see, people that are gay, like there are people that like we can kind of cast away like as a society and make money off of. But if we did that to little Sally and like. The, the nuclear white family, then there's a problem. Absolutely. And we gotta we gotta address it. Absolutely. I, re I remember you making uh, making the point about even cell phones. Like Apple's a trillion dollar company, but <laughs> the Fultane is mined by little black bodies, mm -hmm. right? And so and but like no one no one ever really questions it, and it's it's almost to the point where it's like if it's not an Android or an iPhone, how are you moving? Yeah. How you how you even moving and operating in society? Absolutely. So it's almost like. The white supremacy is so diabolical and so genius mm -hmm. that that it, it creates a connection and an independency Absolutely. in order to move a modern day society. And so um, we are definitely beefing with uh, capitalism, just like <laughs> Joe, Joe and, and Trump are beefing. Um, but with that being said, I, I want to talk about this idea of of time in terms of getting over things, right? Oh, and okay. so, you know, we I, I know that. There, there have been some celebrity beefs that I've been really, really happy to see sort of fade away or, you know, start to transition into something more peaceful. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. So, like, um, Will Smith is having a 30-year anniversary uh, documentary special on or, or HBO Max special um, about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And oh. for those of you who might not know... Him and we we call her the first first uh, ain't Viv, dark skin ain't Viv, the mm -hmm. best ain't Viv, the good ain't Viv. Uh, <laughs> Janet Hubert, um, incredible actress. Um, she she and Will were beefing for decades. Um, some stuff went wrong with the contract. And a matter of fact, her and some of the others, uh, I've heard even some of the other co-stars have some negative things to say about her. Um, but he was able to actually have a sit-down conversation with her, take pictures with her, and the other Aunt Viv, who yep. is also a talented actress. I, I just don't think I just don't think she ever got anything good in terms of a script anymore. Yeah, yeah. The writing just wasn't great for her afterwards. But um, I was glad to see that beef uh, dissipate. And then there was uh, the Jeezy and Gucci Mane yeah, coming wild, together because that was that. I, you know, we're, we're not. You know, we're not. You know, street 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 Negroes, but. But um, you that know, was real. That used to be real. Yeah, there was. Yeah, you know, there was. It was really, really intense beef. And so, for those two black men who are both from the streets, who are both about that life to the mm -hmm. fullest, who are both respected for being mm -hmm. about that life, who are both trap music entrenched in the, yes. and personified, for them to sit together, I think that that shows so much maturity. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And and I think that as we think about time, um, we we have to think about you know. You you're getting older and like what's what's super important and so like Tisha, do you feel like you've ever had like beefs that you feel like can just will never dissipate? Uh, that's a good question, bro. Because I'm kind of petty myself. I feel you. I feel I'm, you. I'm a little petty. So like, but I think that I, I really love the saying "time heals all wounds" because I think that like 
as time goes by, it's hard to hold on to stuff. Right, right. I think that, like, as time goes by, you grow, you, like, kind of develop, and you, like, I don't know, you start to see things from a different perspective. So I think that, like, there are beefs that I may have had that at some point either I realize that they're one-sided because, like, the person doesn't care anymore. And usually I don't actively care, but if I see them, I'm like, man, yeah, uh, but I think that like yeah, like through time, I think it 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 kind of goes past. I can't really hold on to things that long because it just takes a lot, a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, there's people that I feel like I'm beefing with now, but like maybe in two years, like I ain't gonna care that much. Right. So I, I couldn't tell you how much time has to pass by, but I know that time, as time goes on, as I move in life and think about other things, it's, uh, out of sight, out of mind. It's like out of sight, out of mind, out of time. Like. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. I, I don't. I'm a. I'm a go on record. I don't think I'm as mature as uh, <laughs> Gucci and Jeezy are. Cause I like. I know. I was looking for the tweet. It was wild. Uh, Gucci has said some crazy about uh, Jeezy, but I, I can't find it. Yeah, like, cause for those of you who don't know, and I'm not gonna speak on it too much, but you know, that was like life dangering beef that they yeah, had. Yeah, no, it was on site. Yeah. Not on site, we finna fight on site, that's your life. Yeah, so like for me, I'm just like I I I don't believe in beefing in terms of keeping that energy like you're saying, right? Yeah. Um but you know there are some people there are some people where I'm just like I this is how I explained it. Cause cause I there was this one coworker that I had um who was just he was a predator, uh he was a liar. Um, he was a manipulator, um, and I don't ever want to have an interaction with him again. But it's like the great Tupac Shakur said, I want you to eat, just not at my table. You mm, know what I'm saying? I feel that. And I think that it, it it's very realistic to be able to look at someone and say, nah, like, you're not my cup of tea. We weren't we weren't meant to align like that, mm-hmm. uh, and and maybe we did in the past, but like for the for for the remainder of my life, we probably are not, and I'm okay with that. But I don't hate you. Yeah. I don't want you to die. I don't yeah. want you to suffer. I don't want your family and stuff to suffer. Um, now, with that being said, if someone threatened my life or the life of my family, those sentiments may may um, sort of sort of decrease, but. <laughs> but actually, but but it's it's a really interesting topic because I know that people like um, Ti and Meek Mill, yeah. they've been talking about that stuff, right? So mm-hmm. like Ti was talking about, um, you know, and Ti is also from the streets. Meek yeah. Mill's from the streets, yeah. and Whoever he was man, man. right, and he was telling people from Atlanta to stop coming to Atlanta if you want to kill folks. Yeah. Meek Mill made made artists who were beefing a, a deal, and he said, "Look, if y'all stop beefing and killing each other, I will give you a record deal." Yeah. Like. On site, so I, I think that it, it gets tough because I think that we expect so many young brothers who are going through, and brothers and sisters who are going through trials and tribulations yeah. that are like a GZ mm-hmm. and a Gucci to be like, nah, that person hurt your family member, da 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 da. But like, you let it go, you be at peace. Yeah. You sit down with them face to face and be like, let's break bread and let's get money together. I think I think that's a tough thing to do, even with time. Yeah. But it's, I, I think that that's the next evolution of humanity. Right. That's what we think of when we think of like restorative justice and right. transformational justice. Like we have to kind of get to that point. Like, because things do change over time. It's like they probably felt that way in 2006 when they was really beefing. Like, I'll really kill you if I see you. But it's 2020. It's like by 14 years, like they didn't have some kids. So they didn't been in jail. They didn't, they didn't probably lost people. 
I think right. your perspective can change, and it's important too. And I think it's important for young people to see that, right. to know that like they've let that beef go. Like, yeah, someone's like my somebody from my crew might have really killed your crew, but I don't wish death on you no more. Right. And it might have took ten years, but like at some point, people have to know that like we have to be able to let go of that stuff. Because right. if like I just think that like violence begets violence, so it's just like if somebody doesn't let that go at some point, then they'll just continue to cycle. Uh, absolutely, you know, can you continue to cycle? And I think that like Ti had. He, I think the sentiment of T.I.'s thing was good, but he came off the wrong way, and it was super bad timing since we're talking about time. It's, right. King Von had just died. Right, right. Big rapper from uh, Chicago that was making his way in Atlanta. They got into a fight. They got into a fist fight. And I think that, like, come on, bro. Y'all 25, 26, 30, like, fighting? Like, come on, y'all still fist fighting? Don't get me wrong. I didn't got to the point where I felt like I was going to throw hands with somebody. But right, it's like, right. again, we realized we got something to lose. King Von had something to lose. He had a kid. He had a he had a nice, beautiful family. He had a wonderful life. He had an up and coming career. Got in a fight. Dude, not, dude, not even dude that he was fighting with. Somebody else came from around the car and shot him. And it's like his life is over right there, right there. And I think that that is crazy and it's so worthless. Like like our our lives are worth so much more to be lost over some little petty beef like that. Like we are not grade school kids. Like that might have been cute and cool and stuff when we was growing up. Because that's how little boys kind of, like, acting. Like, maybe we have to root that out there. It's like, maybe they should teach little boys how to talk to each other instead of, like, go straight to hands. Because right. that, that is how we grew up. Right. It's like, that's how you made a name for yourself. That's how you was able to, like, not be picked on. Like, I, I had to learn how to fight because it was like, I would be bullied. So it was just like, okay, like, I'm going to fight. And even if I'm going to lose, like, I'm going to hit you a few good times that where it's like, okay, you got some respect. Right. But that's not the only way we should be respecting each other as men. No, no, absolutely. And, and, I, and I just think about, because, like, even as recently as a couple of years ago, like, I've just, shit, maybe last year. <laughs> like, I've wanted to do some vile things to people and then, like, fi- and then, and then like find their families and, like, all sorts of stuff. And, and, but, but what I realized was that I wanted to do that in an effort to prove that, like, don't bother me. Don't mess yeah, with me. Yeah. And and it's and it's really just a, a a crying out saying that like, yo, I'm not bothering anybody. Why are you messing with me? Yeah. It's not that I want to be violent. It's not mm-hmm. that I that I want to be read as violent. But I think that we we're so caught up in making sure that no one is messing messing with us and that we are not one to be messed with. Absolutely. That we feel like we have to overcompensate. We've yeah. talked about that yeah. before. Um, and, and you know me, me and some, me and um, you know someone, someone whose name I won't disclose, but because you know, real stuff is actually going on. But like, you know, we were having a conversation, and like for those who feel like retaliation is like the the best thing when someone kills your brother, kills your sister, kills one of your best friends, think about it like math. It's very simple math. You know, whenever you kill or retaliate. You there's a body attached to that death, mm-hmm. and not even the death of the person you just killed. We're talking, we're talking uh, later in the future. Mm-hmm. You've sealed some someone's fate. Yeah, you know, you've sealed your own, or you've probably sealed someone else's. Yeah, a kid. Like there's there's like the, those bystanders that have nothing to do with it, but still feel that loss. Right, right. And so people suffer all of the all of the time for for things that they had nothing to do with. And so for those who feel like retaliation is the best way, just be mindful that like more than likely either you're going to end up hurt, someone around you is going to end up hurt, or you're going to end up in one of the worst places in the world, which is an American prison system. Because, And I know I, can't, I, I talked about it earlier, but I've watched a show, there's a show on Netflix called like the U.S. like 
the worst worst prisons or world's mm-hmm. toughest prisons. Mm-hmm. And like these prisoners around the world, they get access to things that like Americans can never have access to. Like I know there's there's jails in other parts of the country where like people run businesses and they run family businesses out of the jail. Mm-hmm. Like their wives will come and and hit them they they have a business that they run together inside yeah, the jail yeah. and they and the wives leave and like families come and are running throughout the jail and I was like they could never give an American any of these a- yeah, access to this access, because we would yeah. kill each other yeah, with all this absolutely. stuff and so I think there's a level of savagery that 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 we have created and I'm very careful with that word savagery because it's usually attached to black men mm-hmm. in a negative sense but I'm ter- I'm talking about in terms of the savagery with capitalism yeah. the savagery that's with, that oh that's a bar right right which which then creates and tries to justify the savagery with gun violence, retaliation mm-hmm. culture, and things of that nature. Yeah, and so it's we a have capitalist to, nature. Yeah, and so we we have to start we have to start thinking about what that capitalism breeds because in other countries, y'all, I'm telling you, prisons are not the same across the world. Mm. There are a lot of people who get access to pool sticks, swords, saws, and they're not killing each other. But imagine giving a prisoner in an American jail system a saw. What are you talking about? That's a gang war inside the jail. So, so we have to ask ourselves, what is it about us that's so vile? Yeah. And how how has capitalism and other systems of white supremacy created that? And how can we start to unearth and unravel that, right? Absolutely. Um, so. I appreciate that. I, I, I wouldn't even imagine. I, I've, I've seen that, that show come up, but I've never kind of tapped into it. But I, I do know that some places have much softer like regulations when it comes to prison because those people are still seen as human. But I think that just like you said, like our system dehumanizes like people. Right. So then if you if I'm not seen as a person, you're not seen as a person. I can treat you however. Right. Like your life don't matter. You can really get the smoke. You looking at me crazy. You can get the smoke. And I think it comes back to what you were saying. It's like I think violence. And that that wanting to be seen as violent has more to do with self-defense. Like, this may be me wishfully thinking, but it's just like, if you know that I'm crazy and I'll really kill you, then you're going to leave me alone. And I I think that, like, that's a, it's just like a, like, if we were an animal, you know, like, peacocks got their little feathers in the back. Like, it's something like that. It's like, all right, look, I ain't want to mess with. I really scare you off. So that I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, and so and so I, I think we just gotta try our, our absolute best to um, respect respect one another and and think about more proactive ways to handle retaliation. Right? Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, but but uh, I and the, the funny thing is, I know we're talking about beefs and fights and stuff like that. Um, I, this past weekend, I was playing. Uh, Super Smash Bros, right? <laughs> and you know, video games and all that stuff will have you hot, hot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, and so, as as we think about you know time and 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 how we how we spend that, I want to transition us to talking about video games and you know yeah. make it a little bit lighter. Yeah. So, Tisha, what what are your thoughts about video game culture? Video game culture is a beast. Oh man, like y'all know that the PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox just dropped. Yeah. And there are some fiends out there. Bruh. People had to get them things. Them things were selling like hotcakes. I seen people buying five and reselling them and it's just like one I hate capitalism. Like quit being greedy. People always want to upsell. Like why? It's the tragedy of the commons. But I think that like there's just such a following for it. Like, oh, I want I want a PS5 or I want a new Xbox, but I, I got my I got the the old one and I think I'm gonna stick with that for at least another year because it's like 
I think um, once you get like kind of out of a year or at least six months to eight months, price go down a little bit. Also, they fix the bugs. There's always bugs when you first start a new game, a new anything like that. But for me, like all I do is really play 2K. I might play a little FIFA. I got this Naruto game. Okay. I got a little Should Call of Duty. Um, so it's like, I don't really play much. So like getting a new system isn't like the, it's not the thing that I really have to do. Right. Cause I really don't have time like that. We do the podcast. I work full time. I be trying to read. I, I, there's other things that I try to do. So I can't dedicate as much time as I, I can't justify the cost of it right now. Right. Um, what about you? I, I think, well, first of all, y'all, I just want to say T-Shaw is like hella balanced. Like he, he, he drinks his water. He, he be reading. He be I'll doing be yoga. Like he be doing everything. Like I don't really know how he does it, but like I'm constantly inspired. He be working out. Like he be doing everything. So first of all, shout out to you, man. I appreciate that. Um, for me, video games, I love, I'm, I come from what's called um, the cutscene world. And, and the, uh, the cutscene world is basically when you have uh, a, uh, a game has a storyline going on and the game will cut from the actual action and play through the game to show you what's going on in the story and how the story is progressing. Yeah. Right. And so now the cutscene uh, cut movie is when you take all those story, those story parts and you piece them together and it looks like a cinematic experience. Right. And so, I mess with that. And so because the graphics of video games are so high, um, high quality now, it looks like you're looking at a, a freaking Disney movie. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful. And so I love TV. I love media. I'm a media junkie. And so I love to consume that. So I won't play a single portion of a game, but I'll watch the whole cinematic experience. Um, shout out to the Spider-Man company, Insomniac Games. They just created the Miles Morales PS5 Spider-Man game. Go check that out. Man, um, bro, his his lineup is fresh. I feel like I need it. Right, bro. right. I feel like I need it. Right. So there, there's just a bunch of beautiful things going on in that in that realm. But for me, video games are really cool. But like, first of all, I'm not that great at, <laughs> at strategy in the fighting games outside of like Tekken. Shout out to all my Tekken folks okay. out there. But um, I, I think that for me, I'm not a super competitive person. Like I'm a very chill, laid back mm -hmm. person. Like I know I'm lit and I know I'm gonna be lit regardless of what X, Y, and Z person is doing around me. So I like, I, I just be coming into life with a very laid back tone. And I don't think that necessarily plays well into video game culture. Yeah, yeah no, definitely not. So it's like, you got to sort of be like, yo, I'm going to like, I'm going to get you. Like yeah, I'm, I'm a beast. Yeah. 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 So, which is great. And I, and I love, I love the drama of watching all of that. Yeah, right. And yeah. so I wouldn't consider myself a gamer, but I would consider myself a consumer of of game of game of game and culture. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel that. I think for me, I am a pretty competitive person. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that's kind of why I've tapped out of video games a little bit because I'm not competitive in video games. Mm. And like sometimes it's not even fun if I'm not competitive. Like right. I don't really play people because it's like y'all play more than I play, so you finna thrash me. All right. Like when I got on Call of Duty, like when quarantine first started hitting, like I was. I was into it. It was fun, and I I was kind of trash, but I got better pretty quickly. Right. But I had to put in hours. Just like anything else, you got to put in hours to be good. Absolutely. So then it's just like, okay, life is kind of opening back up. Like, I might not be going outside as much. I might be going a little bit more, but it's like things that I have to do. Like, they've kind of figured out that we have to work from home. There's, there's things that I still have to, like... They figured out life, right. at least to make me productive again. And it's like at that point, I would get on every once in a while and I would get thrashed and I would go like three and 16. That's not fun. So it's like I would rather sit here and watch Netflix for an hour because it's like I only have a few hours that I can dedicate to that. Exactly. So it's like I could 
play this game for an hour and then I'll be mad because I got smoked and I didn't get the outcome that I want and I'm competitive. So it's like, I would rather just sit here and watch this documentary right. where I can learn something or I could just watch a few episodes of anime where I'm just like kind of buying anime. I don't know. But I think that there's sometimes I feel like I, there's better ways I can spend my time. So I'm saying I really only play 2K. Like, and I don't even know how we'll play against other people. I'll be playing against the computer because I like trading and building my own team. And I got Zion on the team. Right. So I'm trying to win him rookie of the year and see how long it takes to get an MVP. I, that's what I find fun. Um, my, my go-to game used to be NCAA football. Um, but that got discontinued. When was our freshman in college? That was the last year. And I used to make money playing people because – I grew up playing, and I loved right. college football, so I, I could play with almost any team, and I just knew the game. So I was like, people would bet me, and I'm like, bro, I really run you. I was beating people <laughs> with Navy and Army and teams that people don't play with. Right. But it's like, that's because I used to put in time into that game. I used to really play. But ever since then, I haven't really found a game that I really love. Like, I, if I'm at a friend's house, like, we chilling, I'll play the game, but like, Usually, I, I take away my competitiveness because I know I'm finna lose. Most likely, like, if I try hella hard and I lose, it's gonna hurt my feelings rather than me being like just kind of chill. Because like I know that I really can't be too much competition because like you know the sticks more than me. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think that it, it becomes a, a great conversation about like time management and how and how you like prioritize that time. Because I know Absolutely. for me, I know a lot of, a lot of brothers, and you know this this applies more than to just black men, but like. You know, you always hear that that trope of like, oh, bro, smoking weed, playing video yeah. games, sitting on the couch <laughs> all day. And um, I, I feel like I my kryptonite is television, mm. right? Like I I started watching every episode of Law. I started Law and Order SVU from the very beginning. And for those of you who don't don't understand what that means, <laughs> that's over 400 episodes that are each 44 minutes long. Okay, some mm. of those episodes are an hour and a half. Some of those episodes are an hour, a straight hour. So I have dedicated part of my life life to that. I watch TV. I watch media stuff like a junkie, right? <laughs> and so, and even like crack, right? Basically, and really, what I'm trying to, what I, what I have to balance out is like, I have like real things to do in my life, yeah, right. And so, how do you go about balancing that when you, it's something that you love to consume? Honestly, I'm just getting pretty decent at it. Um, shout out to my mom. She's been trying to get me like to use a planner and an organizer and things like that. But what I love about her is that she never pushes me to do or like forces me to do things. Right. I've just seen how people around me have been efficient. Like my girl inspires me because she's very organized. She makes a to-do list and different things like that. She she blocks it out by personal work. Uh, school, yeah. like, yeah. But I've learned that, like, that structure helps me, like, function. It's like, I, I couldn't imagine it because I, I feel like I've always kind of been organized chaos. I organize enough to, like, make it. Like, even yeah, when I would give yeah. speeches, I would kind of make an outline. Because it's like, if I try to do word for word, then I feel like if I stumble on a word, that could throw me yeah, off. Yeah, that's so what the whole I, Yeah, so I need enough room to improvise because that's what I'm good at. That's what I'm learning about myself. But I still need structure. That outline is still structure. So structure, however it kind of works for you, is important. So it's like I wake up trying to figure out the different things that I know I need to accomplish because that helps me prioritize things. Because if I have downtime, I'll treat it like it's downtime. And there's things that I have to do and I kind of know, but it's not active in my head. But if I make a to-do list, I just kind of make a daily to-do list. And like, these are the five different things that I need to accomplish today. Because then I, I know when I have downtime, then I was like, okay, I can be working on this. 
And I, I think that I have to be realistic, too, because then I, I used to put things on my to-do list that I knew I wouldn't get done. Right. And it helped me know that I need to get it done in that week. But then it's just like if I didn't get it done, it just it could just kind of die. It could just fall on the west, wayside. So I think that those are some things that kind of helped me really like using a planner, making to-do lists, and really kind of sitting down and kind of focusing and figuring out what I need to prioritize on. Um, it has helped me, and I just kind of taking notes. I think like there there are different like platforms. Like there's like Asana. I use that for work, but it helps because it's like they put the different things I have to kind of accomplish for work. It tells me every day, and I can just check them off, and I know that like my day was productive. And I think that there are different things that we we can kind of build into our lives to make us have a little bit more structure and run a little bit more efficiently. So what about you? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think I think for me a big thing has been like. Like I have, like obviously, you know, for for all you listeners, you can't see it, but like I have, I have, I got this new Mac, and I got the Mac so that all my communication would be coming into one device. Oh, okay. Um, because I don't like having to go to my phone and then to a different computer and da 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 da. It's efficient. Right, but the bad, the con about that is that. I'm constantly being pulled in different directions. Mm-hmm. So I could get 20, I could be in the middle of a project really doing my thing, very zeroed in and focused in, and I'll, I'll get 20 text messages, and I feel a need. Because I think, I think part of it is that I'm, I, sometimes I have people, I have people-pleasing tendencies. Yeah, so absolutely. For me, yeah, so it's just like, you get that communication, you feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I need to respond yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, because they might be, they might need me. Right. And it might not be the most, most urgent, but it feels like it in that moment. Right, exactly. And so for me, what I've learned, what I've had to ask myself is like, I've two, it's two things. First, when something happens, if I'm doing a task and something else pops up, I ask myself, does it serve me? Mm. And then I, and then I t- tell myself, it can wait. Okay. It can wait. That's good. So, like, does the thing serve you, and can that person or that thing wait? And nine times out of ten, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Actually, 99.9% of the time, out of 100 times, it is not the end of the world at all. You can always get back back to most things. And so, for me, it's, it's I, I, have a, I have a quote. I have a quote that I've been living by. Excellence is achieved one intentional, focused, mm. and graceful second at a time. Ooh. And so, and so for me, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that's, that's all me, y'all. That's all me. Because for me, it's... Oh, it's, you wrote that? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. something I came up with. Yeah, so, <laughs> no, boy, I might have to put that on my mirror. Yeah, yeah. So for me, what I've learned is that... And it goes, goes back to making, uh, uh, making the day count, right? Mm-hmm. I've woken up at 11, 10, 12, 2, 3 o'clock... And sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I got to give up because I can't do anything before 12 midnight or yeah. 2 in the morning before I have to go to sleep. But it's like, no, like, take your task, mm-hmm. figure out what's important to you, like you were saying, mm-hmm. right? Have your structure, and then do your best to get the things done that you can. But do, do one thing at a time. Focus on it. Be intentional about it. And then that graceful part is for yourself, yeah. giving yourself that grace. And so yeah. for me, it's like... I have, if I have three things that I want to get done in a day and I work hard and I only get one done, cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, life will go on. Absolutely. And I, and I think that, for me, that's, that's been super helpful. I'm not perfect at it by any means, but I'm getting better. Absolutely. And that's all we can ask for. That's human growth. And I, this might sound counterintuitive or counterproductive to a lot of people, but this is what I've learned that works for me. I'm a natural multitasker. So there are things that I need to get done, and there will be times where it's like, okay, I have three things I really have to get done today, and I would spend so much time trying to perfect the first one that I didn't Ooh. have a lot of time for the other two. 
Um, and then I know in myself that I spend time on like social media, different things like that. So when I take a break, I'm on my phone or I'm responding to somebody, I'm going to a different app, things like that. So now what I'm trying to do is, uh, what I've been practicing is that like once I'm kind of tired of something, then I just put it away for a little bit and I'll work on something else. It's like, okay, I was working on like the website yesterday. Um, I like I felt like I kind of hit my like max capacity for that moment on that. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to read. So then I started reading for a little bit. And then once I felt like I was, didn't, wasn't paying attention anymore, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to rotate over to I'm going to work out for a little bit. And then once I did some, some of my workout and I got tired, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to come back to the website. So I just stayed on that rotation for like maybe a, like a cool like two and a half hours. And I got almost all of it done because I just was rotating. Because I, I realized when I'm, I get tired pretty quick. Um, and then it's just like I don't give things enough energy. And I, I know I want to take a break, so then I'll just be on my phone. Um, and then it's just like that. all that time will usually be spent on writing one essay. When I got just now, I got three things, three different things done, and I know it's it's very unconventional, but like that's definitely something that I've been like practicing. It helps. It's helped me a lot. Well, well, no, and I I love that you said that because I'm like the exact opposite right now, where it's where it's like I get obsessed with that task, right? Yeah. And 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 so it's like if I if some, if my sink isn't working, right? Like, I might not have eaten that day or whatever, but I will spend th- four hours straight trying to figure out how to get my sink working yeah. again and, like, ignore all these other tasks. And then, you know, by the time I get the sink fixed, even, it, like, if it even gets fixed, <laughs> I realize, oh, like, that wasn't, like, that wasn't the end of the world. Like, yeah. I would have been much better off doing these other things in the meantime, taking care of myself. Because I think that that's, I, I think that when I, when I'm relaxing, I'm relaxing heavy. Yeah, and when same. I and when I'm uh when I'm going hard on something, I ignore everything else. Like, mm. but I put myself through turmoil and trial and tribulation that I don't have to. Yeah, because like it's not usually it's not even all that big of a deal. It's just I have a lot of pride and a lack of patience. Yeah, so I'm like <laughs> this task isn't gonna defeat me, yeah, man. Like football, like, that. Yeah. So I like I remember I was trying to find uh, a bootleg version of a movie. I'll, sp- I'll spend an hour doing that because I'm just like... The, 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 <laughs> I'm going to find this yeah, movie. Yeah, like, I know y'all heard the internet is not is undefeated, but I... Except with me. Like, yeah. the internet's not defeating me, so, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't... Like, it's not... It's not happening. <laughs> so, like, for me, I... I, I but I, but you have to t- rewind and be like, it's really not that deep. Yeah, yeah. It's really not... Like, you can... Like, let me work out. Let me eat. Yeah. <laughs> let me sleep. <laughs> let me... Let me tackle this another time because... There will be another, another time. There will, exactly, absolutely. Um, so you actually did say something super interested, uh, interesting that I'm interested in. You talked about how you could be working on something, have hella energy into it, and then you will get like a notification. Yeah. Um, you'll you'll uh, find yourself in a conversation or you feel like that you have to respond. That was something I felt that really came up in the social dilemma. It was talking about how notifications yeah. is really pulling us our, our attention and we end up spending a lot of time on the phone. One of their skits was kind of like, um, they had these people in this back room trying to figure out what would get this person to like get on their phone. Because it was like kind of what I said is like once I get on my phone, I respond to somebody. And it's like, okay, I'm on here. Let me check Instagram. Okay, shit, let's see what's happening on Twitter. And then you just kind of start making a cycle. So what app or what, well, one I'm kind of interested, do you know what your screen time is? I think I'm going to check mine too, see how much time I spend on my screen. But then what do you think you spend the most time on? Um. My last screen time was a little bit over 12 hours. Ooh, wee. Yeah, yeah. Mine's, but like, mind you, like, 
all of my communication and business stuff is via a screen. So it's yeah, like that's true. And and with yeah, because we're in COVID, right? And it's like for me to also being a media junkie, so a lot of that time is and to be dissertating and to be doing all these yeah. things that require a computer or a phone. Yeah, it's sort of like it's whatever. But I know for me the apps that the apps that used to get me were uh, the dating apps because it's it's like. Once yeah, again, you can spend some time on that. Yeah, because they're not they're meant to be infinite. Like there's there's a, uh, an infinite amount of people that you can swipe through or mm-hmm. try to get touched. So once I deleted those, most of my time now is spent on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, YouTube, oh, and probably Hulu because I'm still watching Law and Order. So okay. like a lot of it's Law and Order, but Facebook, I go on Facebook not necessarily to see what's going on in people's lives. More so to talk there's, and, and to look at certain Facebook groups that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, and it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's like social media seems like an isolating thing, but it, it's also something that keeps you connected to people. Yeah. And so during COVID, me talking to someone on Facebook is me being outside with someone. That yeah, that's connected. true. That's a great point. So it, it's, I think it gets a little bit difficult there, but mine are definitely Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and my screen time was definitely twelve over twelve hours. This okay, week. okay. What about you? Um, for me, I was up around twelve hours when uh, COVID first started, okay. like twelve, eleven. Um, especially because like I didn't see my girl, like the person I'm with now, as much as I did then. So like that was the person I was usually talking to. Um, sometimes I would have to zoom from my phone. Um, just like you said, there was a lot of communication I was doing from my phone. Right. So I was up around 12 uh, hours. I think since I'm working full time now um, and now that like I like will kick it with my girl, my screen time has come down. So I was just looking at it. I'm about at seven to six hours. And I was proud of myself because I was down 20 percent from last week. But the week before I was with uh, I was out in Vegas and I was with my mom. So it was just like when I'm with people, I'm realizing when I'm with people, then I have less screen time. Right. Um, and I really enjoy that because it's like, it's more of a, a connection. It's like, those are the connections that I really enjoy. I think that like, it's maybe even a fault, a fault of mine. It's like, I'm kind of really out of sight, out of mind. So if it's like, if I'm not near you, then I'm kind of focused on what I, what's in front of me. Right. So if like, whoever's around me, that's usually who I'm talking to. I, I won't check my phone too often. Because I feel like it's rude, but also it's just like, I don't have enough, like, texting, I don't really like texting. So it takes a lot for me to kind of figure out what I'm thinking and then send that message and also be engaged in a conversation. I would rather just talk because that's way easier for me. Um, So, yeah, I think that that's what I've noticed uh, about me and my screen use. But I I still, I think I go over on Instagram, I, I go about... Um, two hours on Twitter, and then I'll go maybe about an hour or so on Instagram. And I, I, I know that's not a lot, a lot, but it is a lot to be spending on in a day. Um, so I'm trying to, what I'm working on after I watch uh, the documentary is I put, I already had Twitter in a different folder, because what I realized about myself a long time ago is that, like, if I, I'll just, like, swipe. And then if I see Twitter, then I'll click it. But again, out of sight, out of mind. Like sometimes I will leave Instagram. Instagram is, is by itself because I used to not use it as much, but I found myself using it because Twitter's hidden. And sometimes I forget. I just I'll, I'll move Twitter into just a random folder sometimes. 
because then it's just like I'm not gonna actively go search for it. No, no. no. So and like sometimes I forget what folder I put it in. So it's well, like that's great. That's yeah. Great. So it's just like I click a folder, it's not not there, or I put it on the second screen of that folder. So it's like I have to work to get to Twitter, or I would have to like pull the drop down and search it, but. That, again, it just makes it a more conscious action. I think that that's what I'm learning from the documentaries that uh, social, the social dilemma, like they're really forcing or they're trying to like get embedded into your unconscious actions. So if I feel like I can make create a step between, then I'm making it at least a more conscious action. At least I, I know I might be drawn to Twitter, but at least I have to like kind of type it in or I have to go actively find it. Right. Um, so I've turned off my notifications for most things other than like my text calls and um, uh, my emails. Everything else is like off because it's just like I'm getting too much stimulus and it. Like usually when I get a notification, then I read it and then I go into the app. Like Snapchat sends me a notification. I will find myself going into Snapchat and I almost never use Snapchat. Um, there's nothing on there really for me. I might as well delete the app. But it's like I do it to check up on people sometimes. But like once you get into the hole, you in the hole. You watching more stories because stories link it to other stories and yeah. So. It's, it's a lot, and I think even with little things like, um, like badges, yep. badges, or if you do sound notifications, because yep. those little things matter. Because I know for me, I hate, like, I keep the badges on just just in case, like, I see something and it doesn't come up on my notification on my like screen. But like, mm -hmm. badges make me itch. <laughs> they like if I see that 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 a red badge and it tells you how many, oh. like, it's very anxiety producing. <laughs> I'm like. Oh, three? Oh, oh, 54 on red emails? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it makes my skin crawl. So I, I think that I have to do, I have to come up with another system or, or start thinking about it more, too, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that that's, that's a, it's something that people need to be a little bit more aware of. And just like you said before, find that step, that step in between, right? Absolutely. To, to make it so that, like, if they're going to get you, it's, good. it's sort of like guarding LeBron. Maybe yeah. you can contain them. <laughs> exactly. You know? You step in front of them. You right. might draw a foul. That's like. it. Yeah. Just contain it, y'all. Um, but I think I think that's about everything, man. Is, is there anything else? Yeah. No. I just want y'all, like, whatever y'all take from this is just know that your time is valuable. We're not rich. Most of us, this, that's not our audience. Right. So it's like, know that your time is your most valuable resource. Um, you might not have, definitely because you don't have that same 24 hours as P. Diddy or whoever else that usually say that, like know that your time is just so valuable and that you can really make magic with time and your energy. Right. So like figure out what you like to do and make sure you're putting energy into that. Like I'm doing that with my relationships, not just my romantic relationships, but my friendships. I'm trying to make sure that I'm giving, because the things you give time to, you give life to. Right, um, right. And I think that, like, so I'm trying to be more conscious with my time. You talked about all the different things that I, I do, but it's just, like, I'm, I just try to be more conscious of it. Because I could spend, like, four hours watching an anime or four hours watching, like, two movies or something like that. But then it's, like, then I feel like I'm in a hole, and then I feel right. like I'm trying to catch up. So I just want y'all to know that, like, Time is the thing that makes you really successful. I really love your quote. What does it say? Excellence is achieved due to, or is achieved one intentional, focused, and graceful second at a time. I think that it is just so brilliant because it's just being present. I think that it reminds you to draw yourself into that space and be present and know that each second that passes by is a part of your life. Right. You might not be able to get it back, and we don't know how much we get. 
And it's important to rest. I love that graceful part. It's important to rest, but know that, like, your energy and your time is, like, that resource that you can get back. So, like, what you going to do with it? Exactly, exactly. And and speaking of which, um, and, and this sort of really slides well into our, our digital conversation, but uh, I, I wanted us to, you know, shine a spotlight. And for those of you who are our first-time listeners, spotlight is when we give credit to someone who's doing some great stuff in the community. Um, and usually we try to make it local, right? Yeah. So um, the state superintendent of public instruction Tony Thurman announced that the Southern California Gas Company and San Diego Gas and Electric um, are in partnership with the San Diego Foundation, and they donated a total of $420,000 to bridging the digital divide. Um, so this includes things like providing laptops and hotspots to marginalized students. And so um, I think, Tisha, like you were saying before, you know, time and technology can go hand in hand, Absolutely. especially when you think about social media and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, and from an educational standpoint, um, if it takes more time for my computer to load, um, if yes. my computer is on its quality, that's time that's time wasted that I could have put towards something that serves me, like my education. Absolutely. Um, and so we want to give a special shout out um, to those to those two companies and to uh, Tony Thurman's for trying to make that process more equitable yeah. and and creating um, a, a making people able to uh, I guess optimize their time even more. Yeah, and to bridge that divide. Like I just talked to one student and. He's actually pretty brilliant. I, I haven't seen much of him. He right. was gone for like two and a half weeks. Um, he doesn't talk much, but when he does talk, it's like, oh, you're bright. Right. I didn't see him for a minute. Um, he came today, and we had a one-on-one because we checked in about grades. Right. He's getting his grades up. He had all Fs. And I was like, bro, like, what happened? Because like, I, like, I can clearly tell that you're smarter than this. And he's a sophomore, so I'm like, what happened? Like, was something going on at home? He was like, yeah, bro, I didn't have Wi-Fi for, like, almost two, three weeks. It's a thing, and it's yeah. like now his, I, I'm glad that his teachers have given some, him some grace and he's able to make stuff up. But yeah, like there's, a, there's inequity. It's like, it's not how brilliant he is, but it's just like, this is, this is the system. If you're not completing work, then you um, will fail. And it's like, that could put him in a hole. And it's just like, he could be as smart as like any of these little kids that go to USC. So it's just like it, those those divides, inequity, and it, it comes down to time, money, and resources. Well, and, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about not everyone has the same 24 hours. So your students' 24 hours weren't, weren't the same as someone who had Wi-Fi and hotspots yep, galore, yep. you know? So And I, a laptop. Yeah, exactly. And so They're doing Zoom from their phones. Like, how, how am I supposed to <laughs> right, right. turn this assignment in? You're telling me to do a PowerPoint. Like, I got a... Uh, I don't even know if you get Google presentations on there. You might, but like it's much harder to navigate. It's gonna take much more time than if you were on a laptop with a hotspot. Right, and then and then you and then if it's on a phone, you're making assumptions about chargers. What if there's one charger in the house yep. and one someone else needs it for something? Yep. What if you lose a charger? Like, what if it's not a quality phone? Phone and so data. It, right, like all these things, and like what if yeah? Because what if you're using the data and. Uh, you can't use. You can only use so much because you can't afford. Yeah, to go the and that's probably why he wasn't getting on. It's like I only can use so much data. Like we have a family plan. Like so, I'm not gonna. I can't pay my own bills. So if mom say you can't go to class for these next two weeks, then I can't go to class. That's it. That's it. So so you know, in, in saying all that, we we just want you all to be more mindful of time. We want you to think about time as not not only something. Um, that that you can control and that you should prioritize, but also think about time systemically. Yeah, absolutely. Right? right, and think about how how time impacts us based on um, our identities and 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 
think about how time is used and abused by certain structures that be absolutely right to, to marginalize us right and so um i love this conversation we had about time yeah today, bro man. yeah That's, absolutely it's because we spent time to really structure this yeah. show and i think we back <laughs> to our roots and we doing the damn thing look i had the time of my life i'm good. glad that y'all could spend some time with us yeah um but as we like to say keep the coffee black and we like our coffee and we like our podcast like we like our women black yo follow us on brewing black podcast on instagram and brewing black pod on twitter um and we will see y'all again soon absolutely i i pray that it's worth your time